Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Up to this point... We have been studying the seven letters to the church in Asia Minor. And as I told you in time past, I need to remind you again that these seven letters give us multi-levels of application. Let me just encourage you now to get your pen and your pad out. And because I'd like for you to take some notes as we go along as the Spirit of God reveals things to you this morning. These seven letters have multi-level application. First of all, they apply locally. What's that mean? It means that as you read these seven letters to the church in Asia Minor, there is a local application. In other words, there is a church in the area of what we now call modern-day Turkey. There were churches there, just like there's a church here this morning in Apex, Calvary Chapel in Apex. Well, there was a Calvary Chapel in Asia Minor, I'm sure. What, y'all didn't know that? And there was a local body of believers, of people who really loved Jesus and who wanted to walk with Jesus and who wanted to grow with Jesus. It applies to a local scene, a local body of people. And it's interesting because as you look at these letters, they are in order of an ancient Roman postal route. They start in the church of Ephesus and then they travel north to the church at Smyrna, and then on to uh, the church in Pergamos. And so traveling north, they, they go in order of an ancient Roman postal route. So if you check out your maps in the back of your Bibles, don't do that now, but do it later. You'll see that the churches travel north, and that's the way they would deliver mail in, uh, in uh, the ancient world of Asia Minor. So they apply to a local scene. Well, not only to a local scene, but also ecclesiastically they have application, The word church, the Greek word for church, is ecclesia. And so we have the word ecclesiastical. These letters apply to the church as a whole. How do I know that? Well, it's in our text. As a matter of fact, it's in every letter. At the end of each of the letters, it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Note, to the churches. To the churches. So there is a church application or what we as a body of believers can learn as we study these books. And I think it's great that a church would take the time to any church would take the time to study these these letters. I was talking to uh, someone some time ago and they said, you know, we we came from a church where the pastor would never talk about the book of Revelation, never talk about, you know, the seven churches. And and I thought, why? 
Why? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That means that we should read these letters because as we read them, we can learn as a church, as a fellowship, as a family, what we should or should not be doing in our local churches. So not only do they apply locally and ecclesiastically, but also they apply personally. In other words, as you read the letter, you can see how it applies to your personal life and what you personally should be doing or should not be doing. And then last but certainly not least, they apply prophetically, locally, ecclesiastically, personally, and prophetically. These churches present a chronological order, in chronological order. The seven divisions or epics of church history in its entirety, beginning with the church at Ephesus in A.D. 50 to the present-day church. So in other words, as you look at these churches, what we have before us, and this is a God thing, y'all. This is a God, this is a Holy Spirit thing. Because as you read it, what you have before you is this panoramic view of church history, beginning with Ephesus to today. The church today. Seven epics. In church history, we've been talking about the churches, and we so far, we've dealt with the church at Ephesus. The name Ephesus means darling or loved one. And the problem was the loved one or the darling left their first love. That was the problem in this church. They left their first love. And this was a time period from A.D. 50 to A.D. 100. A.D. 50 to A.D. 100. This was the church. If you want to take notes, Ephesus equals married to the ministry, but not to the master. That's a problem. That's a real problem. I love the ministry, but they didn't love Jesus. And that was the problem that Jesus had with the church at Ephesus. And then we dealt with the church of Smyrna. If you've been here, you know the name Smyrna means myrrh. This was that period from 100 to 313 A.D. when Christians were being crushed and persecuted and suffering. Between five and six million of our brothers and sisters were killed in ten waves of persecution by ten different Roman emperors. And even though this church was outnumbered and outgunned and outlawed, they, they grew and Christianity lives on. Jesus had nothing bad to say about this church. He loved this church. And Satan understands that if he can't beat them, join them, which brings us to the church at Pergamos. This was a period of 313 to 575 AD. The name Pergamos means objectionable marriage. And that's exactly what was happening. Satan married the church and all kinds of paganism came into the church. And the church and state became bedfellows. And then if you were here last week, we looked at the church at Thyatira, which means what? Continual sacrifice. Good. I know you guys are just being quiet, but you knew that. Say amen. See, y'all know, y'all like, I know now. (laughs) Continual sacrifice. That's what it means. And this church period is from 600 to 1500 A.D., Jesus last week had some very hard things to say about this church, and we had some very hard things to discover and to say about this church. And last week I told you, I gave you forewarning because the church at Thyatira represents that period of the papal Roman Catholic Church. And I told you last week that 
If you were here and you were Catholic, please come back this week because we were going to pick on the Protestants. And so I'm glad you're here if you're Catholic. I'm glad you're here if you're Protestants too. I'm glad you're here if you're, you're others also. I mean, anyway, where was I? The church at Thyatira had grown powerful and corrupt. And Jesus had some hard things to say. And so I just begged you last week to come back. And, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Now, just let me tell you that if you're here this morning and you are Protestant, that means you come from a Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, Episcopalian, Presbyterian background. If that is your background, this morning you are going to hear some things that are going to be quite disturbing. Please don't get mad at me and throw tomatoes. But you're going to hear some things this morning that is going to be a bit disturbing. But let me again encourage you to come back next week and then the following week because we get to the modern day church, which is apostate. And it is that church that Jesus has absolutely nothing good to say about that church. So next week we'll be in the church of Philadelphia. And then the following week we'll be in the church of Laodicea, which represents the modern apostate church of which Jesus has nothing good to say about them. Is Jesus picking on anybody? No, he's picking on everybody. Stay tuned. Now, if you're a uh, note taker, outliner, let me just give you one. I like, personally, I like outlines because they help me to understand the Bible better and they help me to keep things focused because I can lose things pretty easy. So it helps me to keep things focused. Here's an outline for you. You might want to write this down. An outline for the church of Sardis. The condemnation to this church we find in verse 1. The condemnation. And then the correction we find in verse 2 and 3. And then the challenge. Verses 4 and 5. And then last, if you have an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit says, the call. In verse 6. The condemnation, the correction, the challenge, and the call. So, having said that, Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, if you are there, would you say a hearty amen? amen? And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, underline this, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Now that is a heavy, heavy way to um, open a letter. I mean, it's Jesus writing. This is not like one of your long lost friends you haven't seen in 10 years. Jesus is writing and he opens this letter by saying that he knows that you are alive that you believe you're alive, you have a name that you're alive, but you are dead. Now notice in verse 1, first of all, the condemnation in your outline. Each letter Jesus gives a revelation, if you've been here, you know, from each letter Jesus gives a revelation of himself that is taken from the vision that John received from chapter 1. And each description of Jesus 
is particular to that church. You remember in chapter one, Jesus opened the letter giving or Jesus, John writing, opens this letter and gives a description of Jesus or characteristics of Jesus. And then Jesus takes one of those characteristics about himself and he applies them to each of the seven churches, depending on their unique situation and their need. Now, we want to note here that Jesus describes himself as the one having the seven spirits of God. Did you see that? Now, this doesn't refer to the fact that Jesus or that there are seven Holy Spirits. Some time ago, there was a guy who wrote a book called The Nine Holy Spirits. This is ridiculous. The Bible does not teach that. This is not a reference to the fact that there are seven Holy Spirits. In biblical numerology, the number seven is the number of completeness. And so this verse is a reference to the sevenfold completed work of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus and the believer. The sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus and the believer. And it is Jesus who is taking this from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So Jesus is describing to this church what they are cutting themselves off from when they are no longer being led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. See, let me just give it to you early. The church in Sardis, what was their problem, Rodney? This was their problem. They were not open to the work of the Holy Spirit in their churches. They would not let the Spirit of God rule and reign and direct in their churches. And so Jesus writes them, notice he says, he that has the seven spirits of God, referring to the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and Jesus, he says, you guys have a problem allowing the Spirit of God to move in your churches. Remember, each church gets a description of Jesus based on their unique situation. And their unique situation is they got a problem with the spirit. And Jesus says, listen, you are cutting yourselves off from wisdom and knowledge. And listen, if any of us cut ourselves off from the work of the spirit in our life, you too will be cutting yourselves off from wisdom and knowledge and the fear of the Lord and counsel and might and power. We cannot expect to live. We cannot expect to grow if you don't believe that the Holy Spirit is given to the church that he might work in us and through us and grow us up as the people of God. You can't expect it. You too will find yourselves thinking you are alive, but you are dead because it is a spirit that gives life. And Jesus got a real problem with these people. And that's what he's saying. He says, you guys are cutting yourself off from the spirit of God working. And God is saying to this church in Sardis, this is what the spirit is, what isn't in your church 
And then notice Jesus is holding the seven stars in his right hand. Now, this is taken from chapter one, verse 20. Look that up in your own time. John told us the mystery of the seven stars are the angels or the messengers or the pastors of the seven churches. So Jesus is writing to the pastor of the church in Sardis. And that that can be kind of scary. Jesus is saying to the pastor, listen, the problem in the church is not necessarily with the people because it begins in the pulpit. It begins with the pastor. Too much is given, much is required. Don't be desire to be many teachers knowing you shall receive the greater condemnation. So Jesus is writing to the pastor as well as to the congregation. Now, here's just a bit of history on Sardis, they have an interesting history. The name Sardis means remnant. Remnant. Sardis was the capital city of Lydia, about 50 miles east of Smyrna. Sardis was one of the greatest and wealthiest cities in the entire world. Gold and silver were first minted in Sardis. Jewelry was found in their cemeteries. The city of Sardis stood 15 Hundred feet above the main roads. If you were here for my, my um, slide presentation when I went to Israel and I went to Masada. And if you remember the picture of Masada, then you can think of what Sardis looked like. This huge, massive rock in the middle of nowhere. Masada's right next to the Dead Sea. So Sardis is 1,500 feet above the main roads, which formed an impregnable fortress. The hill, had, the hill had steep sides so that it was smooth and it was impossible to climb, which made them confident. It gave them a confidence that they could never be overtaken. The king of Sardis was named Carosis. He was the wealthiest man living at the time. Get this, in 549 B.C., the city was prospering, and King Cyrus, the Medo-Persian king, initiated a siege on the city and offered a special reward to anyone who could find a way into the city. And one night, one of Cyrus' soldiers was standing watch, and he saw a Sardonian soldier dropped his helmet, and it fell through the cracks. And when the soldier went to retrieve the helmet, the soldier realized that there was a way into the city through the crack up the cliff into the city. Now, the interesting thing is when all these soldiers come scurrying up through the cracks and up into the city, you would think they would have found this huge army ready to knock them down and ready to attack and ready to, you know, defend their city. Nope, they didn't find that. When they got to the top of the city, they found no one guarding the gates. Why? Because the city of Sardis, the, the people of Sardis, they were overconfident. And they found no one there guarding the city, watching the city walls. And King Cyrus took the city that night. They thought they were so safe they didn't even need to post a guard. Now the Bible says to us, listen, Christian, we're not that safe. But we need to post a guard in our lives spiritually by being on watch in the spirit. The Bible says, let a man take heed when he stands, lest he fall. Oh, I would never do that. I could never go there. I would don't never say never. Don't take confidence. These guys were overconfident, and because they were overconfident, 
Cyrus took the city. It has well been said that if we have learned anything from history, we have learned that we haven't learned anything from history. Have you heard that? And it's so true. And it was the case in, in this city. They were captured in 549 B.C. and they didn't learn from that because approximately 300 years later, 214 B.C., instant replay. Amazing. The same exact thing happened. This time, the Roman army, under the leadership of Antichus Epiphanes, was surrounding the city and wondering how to penetrate the city. And a helmet fell off a soldier. Soldiers come through the cracks. And you guessed it, take the city. Ain't learn anything from history. That's because they were wealthy. This was a luxurious place to live. These people were into fashion. They liked clothes and cool stuff, and they had a lot of money, and they were wealthy, and you know, I'm sure they had Lexus and Beamers and Playstations and computers and Palm Pilots, you know, stuff y'all got. <laughs> they were wealthy, arrogant, and proud. They were so proud to the point of their fall. Now go back to verse 1. Notice Jesus says, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Now I am sure that if you were to go to the city of Sardis and you were to go into church and say, hey guys, are you guys alive? Of course we're alive. Man, we're a happening church. Man, have you not been by our bookstore and saw our t-shirts we just had made? Sardis, church alive. We are alive. Oh, they were proud of being alive. Now think about it like this. As the pastor read this letter, what Jesus had to say to this alive church was shocking. And they were proud of their church. They had heard that only seven letters were chosen to be written to seven churches. I mean, there were more than seven cities in the area of Asia Minor. But only seven letters were written to seven churches. And they knew that, that they were handpicked by Jesus to receive one of these letters. And they're thinking, wow, Jesus knows us. He knows all about us. And as the pastor read the letter, they were waiting for him to get to the most important church. And so the pastor stands up and to the church at Ephesus, right? And they would listen. Uh, man, those Ephesians, what is wrong with those people? How could they leave their first love? Sad Ephesians, bad Ephesians, you know. And all the poor persecuted churches, Smyrna. Nobody likes those guys. They keep killing all the Christians. What's up with them? I mean, nobody likes them. Everybody hates them. Everybody loves us. I mean, we offend no one. Everybody loves us and hates them, all those poor persecuted people in Smyrna. And then Pergamos. I mean, how could you guys allow the doctrine of Balaam in your fellowship? How could you? And then, and then they hear about the church at Thyatira. That woman Jezebel who brought in all this false teaching and paganism and, and brought in the world and, and the church and state, they mix and they're thinking, hello, don't you think, hello, Jezebel. Her name is Jezebel. There's a problem with her name. Why would you let this woman teach in your church? What is up with you people? 
And they're listening, and the pastor is reading. And finally, they get to, and to the church had Sardis right. And they're thinking, oh, I know this is going to be good. <laughs> Wait, this is good. This is about our church, man. We're alive. We're happening. Surely Jesus knows everything about us, and he has nothing bad to say about us. And the pastor continues to read, I know your works. Yes, yes, Jesus knows. And Jesus says that you have a name that is alive. Oh, yes, church alive. That's us. That's us. But you are dead. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> dead? Who's dead? We're not dead. We're alive. We're the happening church. We, we, we're all that in a bag of chips. What is Jesus saying? That can't be right. Pastor, give me that letter. You're reading it wrong. You have a name. It's just a name. That you are alive, but you are dead. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.